CCR number 107 for April 14th, 2010. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by PanthersFans.com. Cats fans, get your Carolina Panthers fixed with all the guys and gals over at PanthersFans.com. Stay up to date with all the latest news, transactions, and discussions only at PanthersFans.com. I'm ready to go, baby. D'Angelo Williams, left side crowded, goes up the middle, 50-yard line, he's in the clear, this has got potential, 40, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Still on a mission, though, still on a mission. We're going to find out how far we can push ourselves. Jake DeLong's going, Steve Smith left side, caught for a touchdown! Keep the dream alive, baby! Welcome to the show dedicated to covering the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports joins us to discuss the draft. Nick Yeoman is back to provide the fans' perspective. Also, Eric Quackenbush of CatCrave.com and Jackson of Cat Scratch Reader are with us to preview the Panthers' draft plans. Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Who the heck are these guys? Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Another free agent has signed with the Carolina Panthers. The problem is that the news of his signing sent fans scrambling to figure out who he is. His name is Aaron Francisco, a safety, a six-year NFL veteran who spent time in both Indianapolis and Arizona. With the Cardinals, he was named a special teams captain. Francisco marks the fourth player signed by the team to upgrade the special teams unit this offseason. The team's losses in free agency are beginning to put the pressure on the younger players remaining with the team. Everett Brown in particular says he understands that big things will be expected of him. He recently told the Gaston Gazette that he understands the expectations are high now that Peppers is gone. He says the price the team paid to move up in last year's draft to get him is another motivator for him. The youngster will have to perform at a high level to help his defensive line mates this coming season. There's very little news out of Charlotte, so we can now officially start the countdown to next week's draft. It's time once again for the Panther Preview. Joining us as always, it is Mr. Nick Yeoman. Yeoman, what's up? John, what's going on? The weather's a little bit nicer. Everybody's in a little better mood, and, uh, and I'm enjoying myself. Without good weather, what would we do? Because there's certainly no news. Um, it's like uh, if you're not into baseball these days or the NBA or NHL playoffs, you, you don't have a lot uh, of, of sports to talk about. Especially not uh, the Panthers because they're not that active. But they did acquire the services of one player this week. I know you're excited about it, just as excited as I am. His name is Aaron Francisco. Safety, he's played six seasons, been with the Colts, been with Arizona. Yeah. I mean, your thoughts on Mr. Francisco? You know, it's kind of up there with with uh, some of the other free agent signings that the Panthers have, have went out and, and, and got this so far this off season. It's nothing flashy. 
nothing special. I mean, I, I yeah, I don't usually don't go to the Panthers official site to get my news and my information, but I read their little article that they posted, and it says first sentence is that you know in a recent trend of bolstering their special teams. So I wouldn't expect too much out of Aaron Francisco. I when I heard that the Panthers landed a, a former Indianapolis Colt. I was hoping like Peyton Manning or maybe Reggie Wayne, but Aaron Francisco, that'll work. Uh, you know, he's a special teams guy. He was a special teams captain for a couple years with Arizona. So, you know, maybe he's a good locker room guy, a good guy that can uh, that can certainly bolster the special teams and maybe be a leader in that unit because certainly that's, that's something the Panthers need to look at. But all in all, it's just another ho-hum move. Uh, you know, the quiet offseason continues and the small little moves continue. Yeah, and maybe some of these, maybe this is a, uh, maybe they are bolstering their special teams with Francisco. I think he was the, I want to say he was one of the, or the special teams captain uh, in Arizona. So maybe that helps. We'll have to give it time and see. I think this is the fourth player they've signed, especially for their their special teams unit. And uh, there's a big name in the news this week, and that is Jason Campbell. We talked about him last week. Sort of threw his name around, you know, would you want him, wouldn't you want him. Well, now Campbell has signed his tender offer with the Redskins. That's going to be for one of two reasons. One, he goes back to the Redskins so that he is Donovan McNabb's backup. Or, now something's got to break loose and he is dealt away. And my thinking is, you tell me what you think, but I'm thinking... Yeah, I might offer you a fifth rounder. You know, I mean, uh, you gave up enough to get him in the draft. Here's a fifth. You know, if that's not good enough, maybe we slide to a fourth. But I'm thinking maybe I make an offer, but I'm not going to go above a fourth round pick. What do, what do you think if you had to go get him? No, I, I agree. I think it has to be if the price is right. Uh, this is a guy that still fairly young. I mean, the, the bill on him, you hear time and time again, your experts talk about, well, he's had to adapt to different systems and different coordinators year in, year out. And, and sometimes I think it might be just a cop-up or a cover-up for, for the fact that he's just not that good. But the fact that he is still as young, and at times he's been a little inconsistent, but at times he's shown that he can, he's can he got the tools and, and the physical ability to get it done in the National Football League. I think, I think if the price is right, you know, why not? I think the Panthers are, are dead set on, you know what, no matter who they bring in, if they bring in another quarterback, it's not going to be a starter. I mean, this is Matt Moore's spot. He's going to get the first shot. And I think John Fox and Marty Herney are, are quickly pushing to the idea that they're going to be loyal to Matt Moore. But like I said, uh, if the price is right, then you said a fifth or sixth rounder, why not? Take a flyer on Jason Campbell, bring him in, and, uh, and you know, if, if things don't work out with Matt Moore, maybe give him a shot. And there was, uh, there was some buzz about this kid coming out of Auburn uh, when he was coming into the draft. So, And he's got a great arm. Maybe he's one of those, maybe this is like a Bull Durham thing, you know, a million-dollar arm and a five-cent head. I hope not, but we yeah, shall see. Well, well, you know what? If you think back to when he did play at Auburn, he had Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams, one yes, heck he of a running back duo. And, uh, you know, he didn't have to do a lot, but they won a lot of games. And you bring him to Carolina, and if he does end up starting and you match him up with Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams, yeah, I don't know. Might be a stretch, maybe uh, pulling some parallels there, but uh, it would be interesting. Crazier things have happened. Jim Plunkett did get, you know, back, you know, on the field and won a Super Bowl. So things things can happen sometimes. And speaking of quarterbacks, here's a guy that's going to have to resurrect his career. Looked good at times with Mike Martz and in St. Louis, and that's Mark Bulger. Martz leaves. Things really fell apart for Bulger, and he he's had a, a lot of money thrown his way. 
but he's also had an awful lot of uh, pressure thrown his way too because he hasn't had much of an offensive line, not much protection. Well, now there's a story that Mark Bulger's, that according to this is their, their word, Mark Bulger's camp is impressed with the offensive line uh, in Carolina. So I, I think it's kind of a non-story myself, but you know, personally I got to think that there's nothing going on with this story. I think this is a non-story. What do you think? I, I do. First of all, Mark Bulger's camp. Is that like his wife and his kids and his agent? I, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of people rolling around anymore in the Mark Bulger posse. Let's just say that. Um, you know, I, I, of course he's going to say that. I mean, was St. Louis's offensive line very good? No. But of course he's going to sit here, a guy that's a veteran, trying to hold on to maybe, you know, last, you know, last couple years of hope of still playing in this league. Of course he's going to say, well, you know, if you just surround me with a good offensive line and some weapons like the Panthers have, well, I'm going to be great. Well, of course, that makes sense in theory, but I don't think the Panthers need to look into Mark Bolger. I think he's impressed with the Panthers and their offensive line. I think a lot of people are, uh, but I just don't think Mark, Mark is going to end up in Carolina, and I don't think the Panthers need to look that way either. Well, and one other thing that happened this week, and quietly the NFL, I mean, they're still making us wait for the actual schedule. The regular season schedule is not out yet, but they've given us a hint because the preseason schedule officially was announced. They've told us dates and times. And here's the thing that struck me. We've got four games, and the first game is on August 12th. That's at Baltimore. We'll play the final preseason game on Thursday, the 2nd of September, which means there won't be any football that weekend. And that's going to put the opening weekend of the NFL on the 12th of September after that first game on Thursday night when normally the champs play somebody from the other conference so okay you've got the 12th of september i mean well after labor day you keep it up you're going to be putting it back to halloween i don't know why it's so late but to me that that strikes me as kind of late in the year i I just wish the nfl could kind of be a little more consistent don't you i mean i wish they just keep it together yeah it, it is a little bizarre to think that you know they're gonna be playing preseason football games in the month of september it's it's something that I think if you, if you go back and you look in the last five or six years, it's kind of a trend that they've been slowly pushing the season back, uh, you know, a couple days here, a couple days there, and, and now, it, you know, the season's not starting until the second week of September, and uh, it pushes some things off. It's going to make some fans a little more cold in the stands because the season's going to be played a little bit colder weather, but, yeah, I, I just wish they'd get their thing down. And like you said, a lot of fans waiting around to hear about that uh, regular season schedule that should be coming out fairly soon. Absolutely. We hope it's soon because it's one thing at least we can uh, we can look ahead to. So we'll see if that happens. And probably on Wednesday after we get the show posted, then, then we'll be too late. <laughs> well, if you want to stick around, speaking of things that are coming up, big events, next week it's the NFL Draft. You want to hang out with us and talk a little draft? Yeah, absolutely, John. And before we take the break, don't forget, get yourself signed up for the newsletter if you haven't already. The number is beginning to grow. may take us a little bit to get that out to you, but we will, we promise. Go to catcraveradio.com. Top of the page, you'll see the newsletter link. Click there, fill out the form. It shouldn't take you more than a minute. Just go to catcraveradio.com. Get yourself signed up for the newsletter. We will send that out to you weekly. Coming up later in the show, we'll be talking to Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports. And in a moment... We're going to welcome Eric from CatCrave.com and Jackson from CatScratchReader.com for our draft preview. Win or lose, in season and out of season, you'll find us here every week covering the Carolina Panthers. CCR returns in a moment. 
Today's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. Oh, nuts! There's a bobcat in this cave! Save us, sassy! You will, but first you'd like to stress the importance of cat adoption? Over 5 million cats go into animal shelters every year and they need to be adopted? Help us, Sassy! Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. This show exists for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. Tell us what you think by sending us an email at catcraveradio at gmail.com. That's catcraveradio at gmail.com. Now, the Crave continues. And welcome back. Still with us is Mr. Nick Yeoman, still in the middle of our Panther preview. Yeoman, are you ready to talk some draft? Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk some draft. We've actually got a couple of guests this week. Uh, First of all, um, we are joined by Jackson, who is the lead writer over at CatScratchReader.com. Jackson, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you very much, John. Appreciate the invite. Also joining us is Eric Quackenbush, who is the lead writer at our sister site, catcrave.com. Eric, good to have you along. Thanks for having me on, John. All right, we're going to run through three questions here, and maybe a fourth, kind of a bonus question, to get us ready for next week's NFL draft, when we're going to have to wait forever and a day, literally, to get to our pick. But we're going to start with uh, question number one, and Eric will come to you first. Eric, tell me this. We'll start with two potential targets. In your mind, two targets the Panthers could look at with that 48th pick in the draft. Pick number 48, I've heard kind of a couple different positions. I've heard wide receiver, and I've also uh, heard speculation about possibly a defensive end, maybe a defensive tackle. But I'm kind of going along with Steve Smith on this one. Uh, He's the guy called out at least a couple times that I know of for help at the position, and, you know, uh, Dwayne Jarrett doesn't really seem to be uh, a promising prospect at this point in time, so I'd like to see, I kind of feel the Panthers are probably going to go with wide receiver with their first pick in the draft in the second round. I'm thinking either uh, Cincinnati wide receiver Marty Gilliard, uh, mainly because he's a deep play threat, he would fill the number two receiver need, and he's also uh, good as a return specialist. Uh, he kind of, from what I've seen him, he kind of reminds me of a, a Deshaun Jackson type. Um, the only other one I can think of possibly that late in the draft who might fall that low would be Ole Miss's uh, Dexter McCluster, who's also performed as a wide receiver and kickoff or kick return specialist for uh, the Rebels. And my feeling on him is pretty much the same as Gilliard. He can pretty much fulfill the same needs as him there. All right, Jackson, your turn. So what do you think? I mean, what do you see the team doing with that second rounder since they don't have a first? Well, what I think the Panthers will do, even though I personally would love to see him go with a wide receiver, I think they're going to target the defensive line. Um, so you got a couple guys there. If one of the top five should drop, uh, which I'm not expecting, I, I think they still might go there. And uh, it could be a guy like Greg Hardy, who has a lot of promise, even though uh, he didn't do so well during the combine. seems to have a weight issue. Um, so I like Greg Hardy there. Or uh, Corey Wooten would be another big, strong defensive end, uh, somebody kind of a Reich, uh, Mike Rucker-type mold. Um, 
I think those are two guys I think the, the Panthers will target. And finally, to my co-host, yes, Nick, I, I'm sorry we held you to last, but uh, your thoughts on the team's first pick at number 48. Uh, John, you know, I, I look at two two different players that I have, and it's at two different positions. I think wide receiver, obviously, the more pressing need for this team. And I'm going to look at Aurelius Ben. I mean, he's got a good blend of size and speed, put up some really good numbers in Illinois, and I, I think he's still a guy that's only going to get better. Uh, I think the Panthers obviously need to, need to bolster the wide receiver core, and I think Aurelius Ben, if he's there at 48, the Panthers certainly need to take a look at him. And the other one, this may be a bit of a stretch. He, he may be gone. All indications I've seen have been in the second round, but that's Jerry Hughes as a defensive end slash outside linebacker, a pass rusher that the Panthers desperately are going to need to fill now that Julius Peppers has departed. Of course, he played at TCU. Maybe some connections there, of course. You know, Danny Morrison was the former athletic director at TCU. He's going to know about Jerry Hughes pretty well. I don't know if he's there uh, at 48, but if he is, I think the Panthers need to look at him as well. Okay, question number two. This time around, instead of looking specifically at one round or one pick or another, Jackson will come to you. Uh, Tell me, and and this is kind of a wide-open question, who do you think, if... If, okay, if we're talking middle to late rounds, who do you think would be kind of a sleeper pick that the, the team could take a look at in, say, rounds three through seven? Um, the first thought is I think they're going to try to grab a linebacker. They could use some depth, and so there should be some quality there in the middle rounds. A guy like uh, Stevenson Sylvester, a linebacker out of Utah. Uh, Panthers have done well going out west recently. Uh, they seem to like guys at Utah. He's a very productive linebacker, 6'2", 232, you know, pretty strong, very fast. Uh, looks like a weak side candidate, somebody that could back up Thomas Davis. And uh, I think one of the other big questions about this draft is whether the Panthers uh, will grab a quarterback. And I think if they do, uh, they might get somebody in the you know, mid to late rounds, uh, like uh, Dan LaFever. Um they went and had a private workout with him, and uh, you know he's a big guy, uh, not real mobile, but uh, has a lot of promise. So if he's there, you know maybe in the fourth or the sixth round, they might uh, pull the trigger on him. All right, now Eric, your turn. Uh, tell us a sleeper or two that you see the team taking a look at in those later rounds. Um, I'm thinking either third or fourth round, they might go defensive tackle uh, Mike Neal out of Purdue. Um, they need help on the interior of the defensive line mainly just in the hopes that they'll be able to fulfill or fill in the need uh, for the losses of Maki Kimuatu and Damian Lewis. Again, too, in the later round, I could even see them possibly going with a defensive end, though I'm not really sure who uh, could really step up and kind of be that person to fill in for, say, not so much Julius Peppers, but maybe for the second or third um, position there. And finally, my co-host, Nick Sleeper picks in this draft, who do you like? Well, there's two names that I have. One of them I think a lot of people know about, Tony Pike, the quarterback at Cincinnati. Uh, I just don't think there's a lot of top-level talent at the quarterback spot uh, in this year's draft. And if Tony Pike slips to save a fifth or sixth round, I know the Panthers don't have a fifth-round pick, but if they you know, can package a couple sixth rounds and move up, this may be a guy you want to look at. He has all those physical tools, and uh, I think he's got the arm strength to get it done as well. So if the Panthers aren't making a free agent pick up at quarterback, uh, they need to get a, so, someone to back up Matt Moore. Tony Pike may be that guy. Uh, the other one I have is another wide receiver. I, I really believe the Panthers need to look and probably draft two wide receivers in this draft, 
And if Freddie Barnes, the wide receiver from Bowling Green, is available late in this draft, I think you need to go get him. Uh, the guy had 155 catches last year. That's almost 12 a game for all of you, you know, math experts out there. Caught 19 touchdown passes. Had one game against Kent State where he caught 22 balls in one game. So this is a guy that if you throw anything near him, he's probably going to haul it in. I've heard the Indianapolis Colts are looking at him strongly. And you know, if Bill Polian's looking at somebody, you probably should take a second look. So I think Freddie Barnes and Tony Piker are a couple sleepers that you may want to look at uh, in the middle or late rounds. You know, i got to love those stats. I mean, Nick, a man after my own heart, throwing out stats, and I'm a stat lover, so what can I say? Uh, and speaking of stats, we're going to give you a chance, kind of an over-under. Nick, we'll come to you first on this one. Tell us number of deals that you think that the Panthers will make in this draft. Oh, boy. You know, I know a lot of people think that they automatically think that, you know what, the Panthers, they made deals the last two years to move back into the first round and trade away next year's first-round pick. And initially, I was a little hesitant. But when you look at what they're doing, being really quiet in the offseason with free agency, and they've you know gone to this youth movement, what better way than to get good, good, solid young talent than to trade back into the first round? I'm starting to think it's going to happen, John. I think uh, Marty Herney, John Fox, you know, heads kind of on the chopping block. I think they make one big move, and we've seen it the last couple of years. I think they move right back into the first round. All right, back to Jackson of CatScratchReader.com. Jackson, what do you think total deals the team makes in this draft? I'm thinking they only make maybe one or two deals. And if they do, I see them actually trading back a little bit, maybe with those top picks. Uh, It's a very deep draft. They may try to get some extra picks. I would be very shocked if they traded away another 2011 early round pick. I think with the CBA up in the air and the possible rookie salary scale, uh, and a new agreement uh, would make those picks too valuable. And I don't see uh, JR uh, trading those away this year. So I'm thinking maybe they might, that second, they could trade back uh, to later in the second round, early third, and still uh, still pull off their draft plan. And finally, to our um, sister site's lead writer, Eric, from uh, catcrave.com. Eric, number of total moves the team makes in this draft. In a way, I'm kind of hoping that they don't. Uh, but at the same time, I I have said a few on a few accounts not to be surprised if they do in fact do the same thing they've done the last two years and trade next year's first rounder away to move up in the second round. If they do that, the only reason I would be accepting of that is if there's a good enough player that falls to the early part of the second round and actually looks like he could step right in as a rookie. Um, and again, that could even be a defensive end position. But otherwise, if not, then I could maybe see them perhaps trading away maybe next year's second-round pick to move up into the third round or something like that. But again, I, unless it's like really like, wow, you know, the player that just really wows uh, the fans and, and wows the, the scouts and, and Marty Herney, then I just really hope they just kind of just go through the draft with what they have and trying to make too many moves if it's not necessary. All right, we're going to throw you guys a bonus question. I'm kind of springing this on you at the last minute. Eric, we'll start with you. How would you feel if the team made one big splash? We're talking about a major splash here. If they did move into the first round again to just go after somebody that's, let's just say, a big playmaker in this draft. If they were able to... um... I don't. I I really wouldn't be against it. I mean, 
there's, there's a lot of good draft potential in the first round of this year's draft, especially on defense, uh, even at the wide receiver positions, too. As far as drafting a quarterback, too, I've heard kind of rumors of maybe the Panthers being interested in Tim Tebow. I do know that Carolina needs has a need at the number two quarterback position. So I'm not really confident at this point in, T- in Tebow being able to fill that slot. Uh, at the same time, they've pretty much handed the reins over to Matt Moore saying this is your team, so I really wouldn't understand why they would put that kind of added pressure on him to kind of be like, all of a sudden, okay, yeah, we told you, you know, that it's yours, but now you're going to have to compete for the job or, you know, you risk losing it. So uh, if they were to move up into the first round by some coincidental trade, then I would just hope that they would draft something in an area of need, maybe not quarterback. I'm actually really surprised they haven't tried to sign uh, a quarterback uh, during the free agency period, so... Next up, Jackson, will come to you. I mean, are you going to be upset if the team goes after somebody like, I'll just throw out a name, a Golden Tate, for instance? No, I wouldn't be upset. I, You know, I I really don't want to see him trade another first-rounder next year, but uh, they package something else together. Uh, you know, either way, I kind of trust them that they're going to they're gonna make a good move and, uh, when they do something like that. But, hey, a guy like Golden Tate, he, uh, he's exciting. Uh, maybe move up to get a guy like Carlos Dunlap, who might be there at the top of the second round or late first. Um, you know, uh, it'd be hard to argue with those. All right, Nick, your turn. Any sleepless nights? I mean, if the team pays up to come back to the first round, I mean, are you going to be upset? No, I, I really, I don't think I would be. I got kind of got used to the fact that, you know what, draft day is going to be interesting in Carolina Panther land. That's just the bottom line. And if there's one guy, you know, you, you look at the Panthers draft history the last three, four, five, six years, Marty Herney and John Fox have done a pretty darn good job, especially hitting with those first-round picks. And if there's a guy out there that they really want, you mentioned the Golden Tate, boy, I think you have to jump on it. I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't have any sleepless nights if they make the move. Yeah, it's almost like they cloned Steve Smith, and then years later, Golden Tate came along in college football. I mean, I'm loving that kid, so we'll see how that works out. It should be an interesting three days. I, for one, can't wait, even though we do have to wait until round two, but um, we'll see We'll see how it goes. Uh, but again, want to thank everybody for being on the show. Eric, uh, who is the lead writer over at catcrave.com, our sister site. Eric, thanks for being part of the draft preview. I appreciate you having me on again. Thank you. Also, who has been with us here, uh, Jackson, the lead writer at Cat Scratch Reader. Jackson, thanks for your time, sir. Okay. I appreciate it, John. And as always, Yeoman, Nick, you know, you bring your awesomeness, man. You brought it this week, and, uh, you know, next week maybe there'll be some news, and we'll be right on the cusp of the draft. Hey, we're, we're certainly getting there, John. I appreciate you having me on the show. Have a good one, buddy. Supplies are limited. Operators are standing by to take your call. The CCR hotline is open 24 hours a day at 206-350-9673. Call and sound off with your opinions on the team. That's 206-350-9673. There's more Cat Crave Radio on the other side of the break. Are you looking for hard-hitting NFL draft news, mocks, and views on the upcoming 2010 NFL Draft? Look no further than NFLmocks.com. Get the latest on your favorite prospect, what your favorite team will be doing on draft day, plus the opinions you've come to love at NFL Mocks. 
With a big board, underclassmen listed draft database, NFLMocks.com is your one-stop shop for anything NFL draft. Covering the 2010 NFL draft with class, it's NFLMocks.com, part of the fan-sided network. From the heart of Panther country to the world, CCR continues. Our guest now is Jason Cole, columnist for Yahoo Sports. Jason, it's a pleasure to have you back with us. No problem. Jason, I want to start with the draft since we're around a week away from it, and the NFL has gone toward this primetime event and spread it out over three days. Now that they've expanded, do you think with that extra time that we may actually see more deals during the draft? Uh, everybody always says that, that when you have more time, you get more deals. And it's not, it generally doesn't, it, it's not true. Um, deals are motivated by, you know, teams really liking players, uh, you know, the, the same forces that always work. Time doesn't change that. Uh, and the thing that's not allowing for moves, say, at the top of the draft, um, you know, which is the, the money that's being spent and all that uh, on the top picks is the same thing that's happening all the time. Uh, that, that's not going to change. So either the team is going to want to do it or they're not, um, and mostly not because they don't want to pay the money for those top picks. But I don't think that having five minutes, you know, having another five minutes or another 20 minutes um, per selection or three days versus two days is going to have much of an impact on that. Now, without a CBA, we're going into a an uncapped year. There, there's some teams out there that are purging payroll. These rookies coming in, the unproven guys, and I know there's there's been talk about the potential for a rookie salary cap. With well, there are, there's already a cap. Okay, there there is a salary rookie salary cap. It's just that the numbers get manipulated within that. What you're really talking about is having a rookie um, sort of slotting system. Um, which is similar to what the NBA does, which is have two- and three-year deals that are slotted, um, and then guys hit free agency a little faster. I, I think there's been progress made toward that idea, and so I, I think that eventually that will happen when there is a new collective bargaining agreement. There will be a slotting system. The key thing, though, uh, and, and pe- the people don't really understand, is that the, the system really works for the vast majority of players, um, at least for the teams, okay, because it keeps most players... And we're talking about guys who are out, drafted outside, say, the top 10 or 15 picks. Those guys don't make a whole lot of money over a four- and five-year deal. Uh, and, and that's the vast majority of a team you know, that has 53 players. Uh, and, and what the, the league is trying to be very careful about is they want slotting, um, but they don't want to give up you know, having these you know, four-, five-, and six-year deals that go with it. Well, there has to be you know, a give and a take, because you can't have slotting and have players sign away long-term contracts, because then they're signing away basically their entire career in a sport, in a sport like this one, where there's such high turnover. Uh, so I think that slotting will come when teams are willing to say, okay, we'll give, you know, we'll give three-year contracts, and that's the way to keep those numbers under control, and do some other things to keep, you know, to keep the bonus money under control, but yeah, it's not simply uh, just like, oh yeah, you're the first pick in the overall draft. You get a three-year con. You get, you know, you get a six-year deal, and the most money you can make is fifteen million dollars. That's not fair. And I think that most people wouldn't understand that that's not a fair system, even though it's a lot of money for somebody to play a sport. You know, it's 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 not fair for a guy to sign away what probably will be his entire career. I mean, if you go back and you look at, you know, Ronnie Brown when he was the number two overall pick back in the two thousand six draft. I mean, he's going to play this next year as a 
probably close to over because he's already had one knee injury and now he's coming off of a, of a broken foot. Uh, I mean, he, he may not play that much longer. He's not going to hit it really big. So that $20 million he got when, was, when he was a rookie, that's pretty much everything he was ever going to get. Because of this CBA problem, because there are teams that could be looking to maybe save a few dollars off of their overall player salaries, if like the Panthers, for instance, their first pick is at number 48. They're not going to pick in the first round. They're not going to be on the hook for a large or a larger salary to a rookie coming in this season. I mean, we've seen it before, teams moving up, actually trying to work themselves into the, the first round. The Panthers did it. Uh, when they did the Ota and Jonathan Stewart deal here uh, just a couple of years ago. So do you think teams will now try to lay off of those kinds of deals to actually move up and save the money? Or do you think it will have any impact at all where the CBA is involved and how that will impact what teams do or don't do? I I really think it depends on what your team looks like. Um, And, and, you know, are you you one of those that's trying to cut payroll? But, yeah, you might not want to, you know, sign a high draft pick. But then again, you get that high draft pick for six years. And part of it is, you know, if you're Tampa, yeah, you're not spending much more than about 75 or $80 million this year on player payroll, which is really low. And, you know, there's going to be about a dozen teams that are in that category well, well under $100 million in money spent. But you still want to have good players. And the amount of money that we're talking about spending in a given year because the payments are, you know, these contracts are not just, you know, here you, you, know, you walk in, you, know, you get a $16 million contract, and, and the day you walk in, we write you a, con- you know, a check for $16 million. It doesn't work that way. And people don't really understand that. You know, there's, there's a chunk that's paid out now. There's a chunk that's paid out later. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it gets doled out over, you know, two, three, four years. Um, so I think the teams aren't going to be afraid to trade up just because they're trying to lop salary. I think that teams are going to be afraid to tr- trade up because they just don't want to pay that kind of contract to a, a guy that's unproven or not. And it's going to be the same um, issues that always you know affect the economy in the NFL, whether there's a cap or there's not a cap. So, you know, to me, I, I don't think I don't think there's any for- economic forces that are going to determine trades or not, other than people just don't want to go up and get the number one or two or three overall pick because it's a $35 million guarantee and they didn't want to do that whether there was the cap or whether whether it wasn't the cap. That's that's my opinion of this. It's just they don't want to do that because they don't want to put that many eggs in one basket, period, regardless of the system. Well, there are always going to be players that are going to get all of the pub leading up to a draft. Tim Tebow is getting a lot of the pub and where will he go? Will he go in the first? Will he go in the second? But who would you consider out of this bunch, uh, of all of these players, who in your mind would be the steal or potentially the steal of this draft? The steal of this draft? Um, you always look at guys who have great ability but have some kind of character flaw. Uh, I would say that a guy like Greg Hardy, who I've written a story about recently, is a kid who is a great pass rusher. I know the Carolinas looked at him uh, and and because they obviously need a pass rusher over there to replace Julius Peppers, and he's an incredible talent. Um, just kind of an off-kilter, kind of goofy kid, though, um, that you know, for a bunch of different reasons didn't play a lot when he was at Mississippi, but when he did play, he was incredibly productive. So to me, a guy like that, if he can get it together, becomes a steal of the draft. He's probably a second-round pick, maybe even a third, with the potential to be a 12-sack-a-year guy. So Greg Hardy's one. 
Des Bryant, people have talked about in the first round being, you know, a top ten talent in terms of his ability, but uh, you know, a second round pick in terms of his makeup because of his, you know, his lack of responsibility. Uh, you know, there's another guy. You know, if he if he falls a little bit, if he all of a sudden ends up in the twenties, as some people think, uh, he could be the steal of the draft because you're talking about a guy who he's not necessarily Randy Moss, but he's he's a good receiver who's going to have a high impact. Uh, and so, I mean, those are two guys who jump off the page. And you've talked about another guy that I've written a story about, Jimmy Graham, uh, the tight end from the University of Miami, who runs a four-five. He's six foot six, and he's 260 pounds, and he ran a four point. He ran a four-five forty. He's only played one year of football. He probably is going to end up being a late second, third round pick. I mean, he he's got a chance to be a spectacular player if uh, he can put it all together. So those are the kind of guys, you know, guys who have really high, high impact. Those are the guys who end up being the steal of the draft kind of talk. And we've got a, a major youth movement going on with the Panthers now, and I guess we'll be leaning pretty heavily on some of the rookies uh, in this draft. So, you know, Marty Herney, John Fox, I mean, they've made a lot of changes, but we know John Fox is going into that last year of his contract where Herney is kind of up in the air. I think his contract is up in June. So he's in sort of hanging in limbo, contract limbo right now. Do you think he should or do you think he will return? This is a tough one. Uh, as much as I like Marty Herney, uh, personally, uh, I think you got to tie your general manager together with what you're going to do with your coach. Those guys have to be working together uh, and and figure out your strategy there. Because if you hire a new general manager in June, uh, that means it's going to be difficult for John Fox. Now, you can extend you know, Marty Herney for a year um, so that they're working together. Um, but if you're planning to get rid of John Fox after, that, after this next year, uh, then you're also going to have to jettison, you know, Marty Herney, and then this youth movement that you've gone with becomes really questionable because it's a bunch of players, you know, that the new regime didn't draft, and all of a sudden you're going to be building around guys that you know your your previous regime didn't take, and they're going to want to flush those guys because they're not their guys. So it becomes really problematic. Now, the one good thing I guess in all this is that you know the Carolina doesn't have a first round draft pick, so whatever investment they make in that guy. They're not married to a guy that is probably going to be coached by somebody else uh, if, if this goes the way that people expect. So, uh, you, know, I, you know, this is a very uncomfortable situation to be in if you're the owner of a team uh, and you're trying to figure out the direction your team is going. But I would say that the safest thing he's probably going to do is, high, you know, is extend Marty Herney at least for the season and then come back and... Um, you know, decide in January and February, okay, what direction am I going with this team? Um, is this something that I want, you know, that I want to rebuild? But if you hire a GM now, that's going to be, it's going to be really tense between Fox and that new GM. I think it's going to be a really big problem, and I, and I think it's going to be more of a distraction uh, than, than John Fox even deserves. Um, and, you know, that, that new GM is going to definitely want to get rid of him uh, and it's going to be a sore relationship for that four or five months that they're together. Well, again, Jason, we do appreciate you taking time to talk to us and uh, talk a little draft. No problem. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you. 
I want to thank Nick Yeoman for being such a big part of the show. Nick, the show would just not be the same without you and your awesomeness. You can follow Nick on Twitter at twitter.com slash nyeoman. My thanks to Jason Cole for being with us. You can find Jason's work on Yahoo Sports. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. All you have to do is go to catcraveradio.com. There you can click on the newsletter link at the top of the page. Fill out the quick and easy form, and you're signed up. We'll keep you up to date on the show, our guests, basically anything we have going on, as well as team news. Again, go to catcraveradio.com, click on the newsletter link, and fill out the form. Yes, it is that easy. Yes, we've been having a few issues with iTunes, so please do bear with us. Uh, we apologize for all these problems, and we're working to correct it. We'll try and get everything straightened out and get everything back up to snuff on iTunes very, very soon. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash catcraveradio. Give us a follow. Yes, we do promise we will follow you back. And at any time, feel free to give us a call. The number is 206-350-9673. There you can leave us a message. We want to hear your opinions and we'll let the rest of the world hear what you have to say. Call the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Grave Radio. Thanks again for listening to Cat Crave Radio, a proud member of the Fan Sided Network. Check out CatCraveRadio.com for our complete archive of interviews, commentary, and analysis. The CCR crew will gather again next week to bring you another fresh episode. All material, copyright 2010, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.